0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the offsite podcast, where we chat all things, construction and technology. My name's Carlos, and I spend most of my days talking to construction teams about how they deliver projects. And I'm Jason and I help build software for construction teams. So today we're going to be talking about some new tech in the rebar space. And we're going to be talking about the acquisition of a startup called 3d repo by Asite. So first up rebar. There's an organisation called um, Advanced Construction Robotics um, and they have just released um, a sort of a machine which not just places rebar um, but also ties it. So it looks a bit like a, a large sort of overhead gantry that you have on some larger projects um, but it can actually sort of place the rebar and tie it as you're going. Um, I think it can do two and a half tonnes in each lift as well. Um, so it's, it's quite a big piece of kit um really cool concept um potentially we'll be able to get a maybe a snippet of the video onto here so people can see now obviously rebar tying is labor intensive um it's obviously quite unsafe you're kind of squirming around not sort of a flat floor you're you're tired climbing over cages and it's not an ideal situation to put people into from a safety perspective but I think the thing that jumped out to me immediately was our ability, with a machine like that, to actually accurately plan projects with known outputs, Um, like using 3D printers to print concrete walls, for example. You're going to have a very, very specific time frame, probably down to the minutes, is is exactly what it's going to do. It doesn't matter about the time of day, the weather, anything else. It's just going to sort of crack on. so it seems like a pretty cool piece of kit that will improve planning, probably reduce cost, um, and improve safety. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the I think the the main thing that I took away was uh that um I I would need to like congratulate you on finding a promo video that seems to have the same every construction software or a technology company that every promo video has the same backing track. Like glassy uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems very think, trendy, no, uh yeah, that was a good find, Carlos. So I think um it's it's definitely pretty interesting. I think there were I think I had similar thoughts. Like obviously tying rebar is not the safest of activities. Um you're on risky footing the whole time, you're bent over most of the time, you're carrying heavy weights a lot of the time. So from a safety perspective, uh, there's a lot of merit, I think. From a practicality point of view, though, um, and reflecting on years of uh, looking after and trying to build like concrete structures, the most time-consuming and difficult part of uh, rebar tying or, or steel fixing is often not the like very easy straight runs of straight bar. It's normally tie-ins in the corners, uh, really tight at you know details. Um, and I imagine that the robot, um, you know, oftentimes the sequence that you tie in is extremely important. And, and sometimes you have to tie one bar to hold another bar to hold another bar in order to get the structure to build. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It can be quite intricate, the sequence that you tie in. And, um, you know, I just, I can't imagine that such a big robot, like this thing looked massive the, the, in the video um, that you said that it, it'll it'll be able to effectively deal with like those the really tricky parts that take a lot of time because um yeah otherwise the straight bar stuff you know first of all you can just prefab that off-site and bring it straight
0: in and out so when you prefab off-site is that done with traditional steel fixes or like could you have a warehouse with this gantry just producing like cage after cage of a specific rebar design and then just using them out of site. Usually it's
1: done with steel fixes, but it's usually done in what you'd call a jig. So you'll have a frame made up where, I don't know, if you're tiling a pile, it, no, it's it got the exact spacing and dimensions of the pile. So you're, you're way, way, way more efficient. You're also probably not on the ground. You're at some sort of more ergonomically better level. Um, and so usually uh, offsite production of rebar is uh, much more efficient than if it was on site. Uh, you don't have to then wait for like lifts of you know rebar onto a deck where you might be tying, because um, the, there's all sorts of uh, logistical problems with tying rebar on site. You need the rebar nearby, but it also can't block the thing that you're about to tie if you're tying like a long slab or or something. Um, so, yeah, I, I first of all, I guess from a pro- productivity perspective, I was I'm a bit skeptical on what, whether it can tie the things that are the, the least
0: productive. How um, predictable is traditional rebar tying? Is that there's a, common... a lot of,
1: yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like rules of thumb. So something like a ton a day first steel fixer is like what people would normally yeah, lay out as like a, a production rate, but that varies massively. If you're tying a bridge deck, which is, you know, probably like 70% or 80% of the weight is straight bar um you're obviously much more productive than if you're doing some complicated structure that is all you know three bends and four bends around tight spaces um so yeah i i guess i'd I'd be interested to see what how it performs uh from a productivity perspective the other thing i was thinking about is like oftentimes the the steel fixing details that that steel fixes work from drawn to a certain level of detail where the steel fixer has to then uh understand that and turn that into an actual uh, structure. So it might say like, you know, this type of bar at this spacing, this type of bar at this spacing, this type of bar at another spacing. But like what happens at the corner, how do they interact with each other? The steel fixer has to solve that problem. Or, or sometimes maybe what you'd call a rebar scheduler would do it. Um, I would imagine to get this machine to work, you probably have to put that into some sort of three D model, and that's going to add even more time to the, you know, pre-construction activities. Yeah, because uh, not typically most structures wouldn't be three D
0: modeled uh, from a redirect perspective. It's really it's really intricate to do. It's, um, a, it's an odd one because um, it looks like something that is better suited for not a massive, say, int- infrastructure project you've got this huge space with this gantry which is not going to be sort of put onto every site but at the same time if you're trying to use that for a large job where actually you're normally tying rebar on site immediately into the last section that you built it can't be used so it's like what size of site is it most appropriate for where you've got lots of space but it's also not a big structure like yeah um it'll be keen to see what it's used on
1: yeah, the other thing that's really interesting is like the amount of times that uh, we've um, built structures, we got like a ton or two ton into tying, or we started tying it and realized that there's details that we need to get clarification on from designers. All those things, the amount of times we would uh, start tying and then go, well, we don't know what to do here. We'll focus on going down that side and then get an answer really quickly. Yeah, and that answer comes in an email. How, does, how do you tell the robot the 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 answer? It's um.
0: Yeah. yeah, my uh, simple QS brain did get a bit excited for a minute when I thought, right, if you've got a gantry that is placing an entire rebar, could you now have 3D printed heavy concrete rock, buildings with rebar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could be placing rebar and using the gantry as well to uh, 3D print the concrete, so you could have reinforced concrete that's completely automated, not just currently, which is just.
1: Yeah, but it, would, have rebar. it wouldn't it wouldn't work that way because you know if you if you've got lengths of rebar which are like a couple of meters long, you know, maybe four or five meters long, uh depending on the vehicle that will deliver it, um you've got to tie them in like overlapping patterns. So you'd have to lay, go forward, lay the ones in this direction, then come back and lay the ones in the other direction, then lay the top layer going that direction. Then so you're gonna do another pass if you were to magically print concrete. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never going to 3D print a bridge deck that's hundreds of cubes of concrete.
0: Yeah, it's hard to see it being used outside of, like, I guess, houses, that sort of size structure. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, so, it's pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, looks yeah. good.
1: And I think definitely from a safety perspective, it is uh, yeah. still fixing this uh, really backbreaking part the, of the pun. That's a, I don't think that's a pun. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's literally back-breaking, uh and dangerous work. Um, but I don't know, it's it's yeah, really yeah. tricky work.
0: Yeah, definitely a trade in need of some yeah some change. Cool. So uh, next up, um, A sites have acquired a company who we know fairly well called Three D Repo. Um, they are. Some guys that we've been quite familiar with for a number of years as they work in the sort of same space um, in construction in the UK. Um, so they have, there's not that much information on the acquisition itself. Um, there's some early reports of the sort of deal being done. Um, I guess, Jason, you've got some knowledge and experience of A-Sites. Do you think the acquisition makes sense?
1: I was going to, I was going to ask you what you thought with your QS background, but I guess um, to, to show my cards first. Uh, I think that, um, I think the acquisition makes sense for A site. I, I think it makes sense for both parties, to be honest. But if you look at the space that A site um, plays in, uh, they're competing against uh, quite large and some would say legacy competitors, uh like the Team product, which is part of N8, and uh Oracle, uh Aconex, which is part of Oracle now, in terms of the document management space. So I guess for context, the A-side A side is a document management uh type platform. Um and so it would its traditional competitors would be like a Team Binder or or an AKNEX. And then 3D repo is uh, like a BIM, a collaborative BIM environment for, for viewing, uh, and I think interacting with the 3D model. Um, so I guess for A site, their competitors, you would classes uh, larger than them, but probably like legacy. Uh, so with the clear direction of where a lot of design is heading um, into the 3D space, uh, adding um, adding functionality and being a preferred platform for storing uh, the 3D models and BIM data would be a, a clear positioning for them in comp- um, in competition to, to AconX and, and TeamBinder. So I think that makes a lot of sense. For um, so the 3D repo, I think it would make sense as well. They've been around for a little while, and I think this would give them a, a quite good scale to to enhance the impact of their product. We obviously don't know anything about the commercials of the, the deal, but on the face of it, I guess if you think about how um, the waves of technology through an industry might happen typically, you normally start with something that looks like uh, uh, traditional income doing things in quite legacy ways. So like with spreadsheets and, and things like that in companies. And then you'll get a first set of like products solving those. Um, and those products will usually be lots and lots of different products. Um, none of them connected to each other, uh, where a lot of, you know, in a lot of different spaces in construction, that's the state of play at the moment. So you have some people doing stuff in spreadsheets, and then you have a, a heap of different software products trying to get rid of spreadsheets. But if you're on a construction contractor at the moment, a lot of those different tools don't talk to each other uh and you're faced with the the state of play of like you have to connect them all together your own way if you want to the next sort of wave that typically happens is that some um, from those software companies some clear leaders start to emerge um and that those leaders will build uh like plug and play integrations with each other because it's clear who uh you need to connect together like the 30 percent of your customers if you're a CRM and 30% of your customers are using a chatbot from intercom, for example, you're going to build an integration with intercom. And so that's the like next phase of, of things. And then the next phase after that is usually some, some substantive consolidation. So, uh, the major players like a, like a broker or or order, start to bring all those things under the one banner. So you get like, uh, phase one is lots of different tools solving a, a whole ton of problems but nothing talks to each other and customers have to connect stuff together themselves then leaders typically emerge those things will build uh, connections with each other out of the box uh, and then they all start to uh, consolidate under um, some clear platforms
0: and, and i guess that connect oh, sorry yeah
1: no no i was just going to say i guess in the state of play in some areas of construction technology were probably like at phase one or two and in this space here that there, there, there are there does seem to be some consolidation happening um and that makes it easier for customers to understand that you know if i was to think about the set of tools i need as a design company um if i could go a site and two other things or A site you know, instead of having to get seven things um, that I need subscriptions to that I need to connect together. Yeah. So it makes sense for them to, if they don't, if they don't bulk up and provide this broad offering and the consolidation does happen often, they can get left behind. So it does make sense.
0: Yeah. Sorry, your question. Is this the sort of um, the classic is this ticking the box in the classic BIM requirement, whereby if we think about what the two products are, what they offer, and the I guess the experience of the journey for the user, is it a model that's deeply connected to all the documentation specifications and everything set behind it? So you're navigating a model to find information rather than finding documents which link to drawings, which is the sort of inverse of what we used to do. Yeah,
1: I think, um, I, I think these two products have had an integration with each other for some time. They both, I think they both needed you they both needed to build that connection to do exactly what you're saying um this i think i would imagine uh, in total speculation that at the start of this acquisition they, they will sell two products that are the two companies and then eventually they will get merged under a single subscription that offers it and makes it a, makes it a compelling reason to buy 3da side or whatever it becomes called or just yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever that a compelling reason to move from say team binder but in response you know team binder will add this functionality or buy something and this is how the consolidation starts people will see that that's the positioning happening they need to make sure that they're offering functionality um that's at least comparable on paper so that there's not a, a reason
0: for them to lose their customers to the the new competitor yeah you'd imagine either way it's going to be a fraction of the price to bolt on the other products so they're just going to cross yeah cross out all of their customers on each side uh, which is a big win for both
1: so i i'd be interested like i don't know you've got you've got a lot of connections in the design space so i wonder do you know many of them using either of these two tools
0: the most common products on the A-Site side that I come across is a uh, That was on Crossrail, that was on HS2. That's on most sort of major projects the, that I've been You
1: mean the most common in the space that they are the in? The document management in, side. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, 3D Repo, I know they have quite a lot of workforce organizations like MACE, um, and they've got quite a good grounding in this country. Um, so, um, yeah, you see them a lot on things like Mission Rooms, they was exhibiting in spaces and doing lots of joint things with customers so um yeah it's a, it's a pretty cool looking product it looks really easy to use there's some bit models that just look classically scary because they're old and clunky um it does look like a decent modern product so um yeah not actually used it myself but i've seen quite a lot of their content um
1: do you know if they do you know if their product is like directly competing with an autodesk product for example
0: my assumption was it was, yeah, that synchro, it's it's that, um, it's definitely that model space where you want everyone to be able to sort of interact with and use it in a nice simple way, rather than being some super heavy, difficult to use system that's only for a bunch of people in back of house. So um, I get,
1: yeah, my first inclination was, it was about uh, a site making up the offering in the BIM space so that you can store bin documents and have a native viewer you know you would imagine that would be the path um, but i wonder if it's uh if it's more to compete with uh maybe in another direction i don't know i'm speculating now so
0: maybe yeah maybe, yeah yeah i've always found it really odd the way that we used to uh read first then see like if we Think about our products. Like the visual element is well, the thing that I everyone jumps jump onto. What do you
1: What do you mean by that? Sorry to
0: interrupt you. So we we you look at documents, um you read specifications, you think about the subject matter, and then you might look at drawings at the end of it to sort of visualise the thing that you were reading. It makes right. way more sense to go through a model, discuss, like look at an object and then see the supporting data behind it. It's just like the top-down oh, yeah, approach yeah, yeah. to the way you think about things. um So. It, it makes so much sense for any document management type organisation to have that visual element at the front end. Uh, like with Apex, everyone goes to the map page before the Gant if you're not the person that built yeah. the sort of plan. So um, yeah, it makes practical sense, um, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it would for that to. I'd imagine to get to that state where you don't have to read in a isolation of the the thing that you're building. God, I'm just thinking about every specification that's got pages and pages of words in it, that someone's copied from somewhere, you know, some graduate engineers copied from somewhere, um, and just put into a PDF document. Like, are they talking about the windows here that I'm looking at or are these other windows? Well, yeah, there's there's some, there's some work to go there before, um, that, that fully happens.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Right. That's so all we've got time for today. Um, as always, thank you very much for listening. Before we go, uh, I
1: want to say, Carlos, have a wonderful honeymoon. Um, you're <laughs> off you. to you're off to India for a uh, yeah. for the everyone's favourite honeymoon and backpacking around
0: India. Yeah, yeah, it made sense to do the one thing that you wouldn't want to do, kids, before we have well, with kids before we have kids. So um, yeah, <laughs> gonna get my feet. First. I'm, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure you'll have a wonderful time, mate.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Cool. Thanks everyone.